Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Get Clear. This podcast is for the clarity and spirit seeker, the world overcomer, the abundance and prosperity believer, as well as the mindset shifter. I am your host, Kathy Pearson. I am a clinical and educational psychologist turned business, life, and mindset coach. I help women live energetically in their purpose, clarify their dreams, all while making the income they desire and deserve. I believe that clarity is the springboard to inspired action, and I am beyond excited to bring you clarifying conversations for your life and business. So you know what? Go right ahead, pull up a chair, grab a cup of hot tea, get comfortable, and let's get clear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Get Clear. And today, I am beyond excited to bring you today's guest, and she is a coach and a best-selling author, and she had a book that has recently kind of hit the shelves, and the topic is quite interesting. So today's topic, or the person that I will be speaking with is Kim Fisk. She is a coach and a best-selling author, and today we are going to be talking about how to identify the monster under the bed. Hello, Kim. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. I am beyond excited, and I know already my listeners are going to be like, what is the monster (laughs) under the bed? What is that? But before we get into that, I always have to ask, who was the person before the coach and the best-selling author? So tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you launched this book, and what was the mindset, a little bit about the mindset that it took for you to pivot into what you're doing now? Well, you know, I've been in relationship marketing for probably 25, 30 years, which is people to people to people. I've built very large teams of people. I've coached all kinds of income earners, levels of income. And um, you know what really, and for myself, I've been an entrepreneur. Like I discovered a long time ago, the, the being an employee of someone was okay, but I really want, I love the feeling of creation. Like what can I go create And how can I really go leave a legacy and a mark that shows what I'm capable of doing? And so, you know, when you start setting those kind of goals in your life or those kind of desires start leading you, um, I love in in, uh, the book, Big Magic, Liz Gilbert talks about the shit sandwich because you you get a lot of stuff. You get thrown into like the playground of life, a life university where you just get all kinds of lessons and you get obstacles and you get people that you don't, you get married to people you don't like. Like it just... You, you know, you get, you get all kinds of stuff, your kids, everything gets, shows up, but it shows up now differently. Like it's, it's a place to refine you and that you get to learn about yourself. So that's kind of been my playground and my schooling the last 30 years has been in relationship marketing and, and creating uh, my own, my own income, my own future. It's yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I second that. It's not. And there's times where you're like, and I'm sure you felt this, but I'm sure that you've had days where you're like, 
what in the heck am I doing? <laughs> Absolutely. You curl up in the fetal position in the corner and you just cut, put the covers over your head and go, what am I doing? I'm just going to go back to playing it safe. I just want to go back to the, the, the calm, normal life that I see. I think my friends are having, which is a, a myth by the way. But anyway, you know, it's one of those, it's, it's all about the head. So it really, to answer the question, what brought me here and what's writing about writing the book is all these things that I've discovered. I'm a human um, researcher. I love figuring out, number one, how what made me tick. And then all these people, Kathy, it didn't matter what how they looked or how much income they made or how smart they were, how many letters after their name. I discovered a common denominator pretty much in everybody, and that was this voice, what I'm calling the monster under the bed. Everybody had it. And I was like, what the heck? Where did that come from? And why is that, being, why is that such a, an identity creator or destroyer now? Like, how is that showing up in their adult life now, and what is that about? So that's why I wrote the book. Wow. So the monster under the bed, is that, I guess my question would be, is that the limiting beliefs? Is that the mediocrity mindset? Is that the scarcity mindset? Or is that just subjective to each person? Well, let me just lay a little bit of a ground because there's a subtitle I want to throw in there because there are books that are called the monster under the bed. This is the monster under the bed uncovering the lie that drives us. That's the subtitle. So it separates it out from a children's book. Amazon let me do that because it was in a different genre. It was self-help. So, um, so it's a, the subtitle kind of what says it. But um, it really is the, that voice inside of us. And I actually go into brain science, which I'm a geek about brain, the brain and about our minds and how, what creates those, like you said, the limiting beliefs or what creates someone that just says, I'm going to go do it even with limiting beliefs. I'm going to blow through those or those that just curl up in the fetal position, meet bonbons and say, I can't do it. Right? Like all of it is in this. Um, I'm just going to touch on it briefly real quick. Don't want you to get overwhelmed with brain science, but I think it's pretty easy. This metaphor talks about when we're kids, it does. It's a kid's book that way that we're little, we're born with a survival brain, our, our cognitive brain, our logical brain, our logic and reasoning brain doesn't fully develop until the mid-20s, the prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex. True. So our survival brain, we are born as community, we're a community species. We have to have a community to survive. We need parents to take care of us. We need a mom to feed us maybe, or a, you know, we need that kind of a um, environment. So we're born with already instincts for survival. Fear is a survival instinct. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's important for our little selves we didn't have a logical brain and you don't need logic when you're facing fight or flight. Remember the messages of your survival brain is fight or flight. You either deal with it or run away because you've got to survive and you don't need your logic to sit there and go, huh, I wonder if this is going to be dangerous for me. Your logical brain shuts down and, or if you don't have it to begin with when you're little, have you ever tried reasoning with a three-year-old? Like it doesn't work. The brain, no, the brain equipment's not there yet. And I kind of think that about 15-year-olds too. But anyway, um, <laughs> it doesn't change much. But, um, but here's what happened. When we're little, because of that survival brain, without any connection to language or logic or reasoning, none of us escaped this feeling, this, this emotion 
that struck us when we were little that we're not okay as we are. We had no way of coming to that determination, even if we were raised in the most perfect households, which is really never anybody, because we're raised by our parents' monsters in a way. Like the things that they struggle with, they're still dealing with it raising their kids. So we are products of that, and we didn't have any way of knowing that we are inherently worthy we are intrinsically lovable and perfect and valuable just as we are. We did not know that. So the biggest voice that comes out and the wiring of our brain, what fires together, wires together. So when we're little, we had all these experiences that we did not have any way to logically process it. So we emotionally processed it. And we all came up short. We all came up with that it's my little kids don't process things about, well, that was their problem. No, 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 that'd take logic. Everything's there and their fault and because of them. Yeah. So like, my parents got divorced when I was four. Well, I realize now as an adult, because I've done this brain work and this emotional work, I realized little Kimmy processed it, that her didn't, dad didn't leave her mom. That would take logic and reasoning. Little Kimmy processed it that my dad left me and he left me because of me because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't special. I was too average. So these are kinds of the lies that I'm talking about that we, it, it wasn't a lie that is deceptive. It was untrue, an untrue thing about ourselves that emotionally we decided and that created the whole brain fight or flight. So we've spent all of our life, Kathy, either flighting, I think flight came first, shame. I have, in the book, I have 10 monster tracks where I identify how does the monster and this lie show up in our life day to day. Shame is number one, in my opinion, and that's the mother, that's the mothership of the rest of them because I think our little selves felt shame, we didn't have a name for it, but we felt like we're not okay, we better go hide, we better not let them know, we better not let them see, that's all a function of shame. Mm -hmm. I think you know what? Let me yeah. just interject. I'm really identifying, and it's really resonating with me because I grew up with a mother that suffered, I mean, she still suffers debilitating depression and mental illness, and I think I became a psychologist because of it as a result, yes. and I remembered in college, shame, and in middle school, I would make up this story in college, like when it was time to leave for like Christmas and Thanksgiving, I made up this story that my family was this thing that I created what I wanted it to be. And I would leave. I remember like the first day when everybody's packing to leave the dorms, I would pack too. Like I was going to my family because I told everyone I had this family that I didn't, but it was the shame until I came to terms with, you know, yeah, my mother is depressed. And she may always be that way. And I, and when I realized I couldn't save her, then that, that it, it was like this big, like yeah. garment of shame. It just started to like come off and then my life changed. But you're right. It's the shame that we identify with. So that just so resonated with me on such a deep level. So that's exactly. So the little kid doesn't have any explanation for anything. They just know how they feel and it's illogical and it's unreasonable. And I wished we could look at our little kids and go, no, 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 this isn't about, this isn't that. You are loved. You are valuable. It, they don't, it's all processed emotionally. Their whole identity is processed and brain wiring, firing neuro pathways. Everything has been laid by our little three and four year old self. 
And we are then products of that the rest of our life. So the flight message is shame, hide, don't let them see. But on the heels of that is the fight message because we have to be okay or we may not live. That's also part of our innate instinctual survival mm -hmm. wiring. We have to be okay. So guess what that did? It produced us to look around and go, okay, what's valued either in our immediate world or what do we sense is valued in the world? So in my family, it was music. Like my whole family is musical. I grew up in church singing. I don't remember ever not being on stage at a church or performing or singing or playing the piano because that was what these people loved and they valued. Of course, they had me in piano lessons, and but that was a way for me to be okay. Am I okay now with all y'all? Because this is... So we had to prove it. That's our wiring is that we better prove we're okay because we have to be for survival. Now with our logical brain, just like what you just articulated, you went, wait, this is about my mom and not about me. What? But it took, you use this, you use the, the, the later developed brain, the prefrontal cortex to yeah. figure that out. You didn't figure that out until you had that brain fully functioning. Most people don't know that this reasoning logical brain now that's who i'm really speaking to right now that's who my book is now saying hey do you got this little voice under the bed that's telling you these things that are beating you up internally and your whole identity is based on proving it wrong or proving it right because you have to, like self-sabotage and all that stuff it's all about that same wiring mm. of that little voice of the three-year-old now you can use that brain and go oh that's where it came from some people, Kathy, just from knowing that, they get a huge amount of relief. Like, oh, you mean it's not true? Like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not a mental, it's not a spiritual. See, I grew up in church where mm -hmm. it's old man and it's to be put off and it's to, like a sinful thing. Like, oh, you need to do this in order to get rid of that voice. But even when I did this, it didn't get rid of that voice. No. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. And then I then it's like pride and you've got to da da da. It's like, no, it's really a part of your little kid brain wiring that that looped your emotions and your thoughts together. Every emotion we feel pre is preceded by a thought, and that thought wiring is actually just like your operating system on a computer. It was done by our little three-year-old self, and we can go in now. And reprogram it if we know what to look for exactly. and we know how it was how to rewire. So that's exactly. And it's like you're describing like the exact process, but I feel as though so many people, and this is what I talk to about like with my community and, and my Facebook group, is it's just being able to realize that you people will let things hold them back, fear, all these limiting beliefs, and these things are not even true for years. And it's about <laughs> investigating. Yeah. Is this really a truth or is this something that was innately given to me? The, there's these limiting beliefs and mindsets that are just handed down. So I guess my next question for you is, okay, if we know where it comes from, how do you combat this? How do you deal with it? Well, it's, some, it's awareness is a huge piece of it. So, but when I would say that, I had this person I was working with and they said, Kim, I'm awareing myself to death. Like, because as awareness grows, guess what follows, which is monster track number two, is self-judgment. 
because then we continue to use awareness to beat ourselves up. Oh, see, see, look how I do that. Look at how that, oh my gosh, see, see, see. Like we use it still as a tool, a weapon of mass destruction against ourselves. So I want awareness without judgment. And I talk about in the book, moving from the aligner to the observer. And, and the observer is kind of like looking at your own thoughts and emotions from a scientist standpoint, like really like to your point, investigating and looking at like, take out the, take, realize where that's coming from. And when mm-hmm. you do that, you have to kind of go, I'm, I'm showing you here, but nobody can see me, but you kind of, <laughs> you move above it, right? You move above it and go, so how that really shows up is um, when you feel a thought, when you feel a feeling, it's always preceded by a thought and you go investigate the thought. So for example, the other day I, um, I was feeling wonky about something like I just was off and I just went, why, what is going on? What is this? And I did what I just teach. I, I've ha- I still do have to do this. It's not like you're ever done. Right. And no. so I went, okay, why am I wonky? Why do I feel yucky right now? Okay, you know what? I had a fearful thought regarding one of my kids. Mm. Okay, so one of my kids, now, when I went and investigated that thought, I was being a helicopter mom. I had to, I also talk about being passionately detached. You need to be passionately detached from certain things because you're going to mess it up. The more we try to get in there and make sure everybody's happy and controlling everybody's, make sure you do this and make sure this and that you get along and you do this and because I think it's the best. Oh my gosh, everyone's, it doesn't work for anybody in the equation. But that's what, that's even though I know logically not to do that, emotionally, that's where I was going. And so I had to go re- become aware without judgment. I didn't go, Kim, oh my gosh, why do you keep doing that? That you know, blah, 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 blah. No, I had to go, oh, isn't that interesting? That's what I was doing in my mind. So that's why my emotions feel like they feel. Then I had to go get quiet. Like I really talk a lot about rewiring. You have to rewire emotionally. It's not, you don't cerebrally rewire because it's not about what we know. <laughs> it's about how our wiring and what fires together wires together. So we, we need to unwire what was fired emotionally when we were children. And part of that as a mother is part of the control that mothers feel around their families and around their kids, especially as they become adults, we have to let go. We have to revisit our role. And um, so I had to go do some quiet time and, and get re-centered about it. And realize that you know what my kids are fine no matter what they're not gonna they're gonna what they're on their own journey and you know I am gonna use my cerebral brain to help rewire but I have to calm the heck down and you were able to choose something else yes another feeling and that's one thing I work with my I I tell my clients we can choose in that moment but it's just like you said having that awareness it's it's a game changer it is just so it, it's just so profound. So what? Let me, let me say one more thing about that too, because I think it makes a little clearer when you, here's how you know, if you are moving from, if you're at a if you're aligning or if you've moved to observer, one way you can tell is that if you defend or justify your feeling, if you defend or justify it, 
game over. You're never going to move to the uh, observer of it. Because here's what I could have done at that moment. I could have said, yeah, but he is screwing up and it is blah, blah, blah. And if he, what if he does this? And what, uh, 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 right? Like that energy about it. If I was in the court of law and I had to defend my position, that's, it's the survival brain that's triggered in those moments of, of Kim. Even though I'm the mother now, I'm still the little three-year-old that feels like, but wait, I've got to defend why I feel this way. If you rush to defense or justifying your emotion, you, you're missing it. You want to go, oh, that's interesting how strongly I feel about why I do what I do, but is that serving me or him? And then that's when you question it and you go, Okay, and then you've got to go breathe deep and get some parasympathetic nervous system stuff going. Get calm and start re reprogramming it from a calmer place. Anyway, that's just a little tip. I love it. I, I could talk to you for hours. I love this stuff. It's like, oh my goodness. I just, because it's like once you start to like really investigate the psychology of the brain, yes. it is just so intriguing. And yeah. when you, I mean, just the way you're, you're describing how everything just kind of fits together. I feel as though this information is just so life-changing yeah. that we can choose to think a different thought, that we can have the awareness of where is this coming from and being able to identify that this isn't the truth. This yeah. has been holding me back for years, but this monster under my bed isn't really a monster. Okay. Well, here's <laughs> In, in writing the book, I, you know, and of course in the work that I'm doing, I talked to this one really highly successful businesswoman. Like she's really high powered, very successful, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I was talking to her and I said, so, um, do you have a, like, do you have a monster under the bed? And she's like, don't tell me, I don't want to get rid of it if I do. And I go, Oh, okay. Oh. Why is that? And she goes, if I didn't have my monster, this is interesting. If I didn't have that monster under the bed, I would be a 300 pound bonbon eating daytime soap opera watching lazy slop. Like that's, she attributed her success in business to the monster. Now it was interesting because she goes, the reason she was, I was talking to her to begin with is because her life is a mess. Her health is a mess. Her anxiety levels are through the roof. She can't stay in a relationship. Her, um, like she, her mess, her life is a mess. And yet she goes, don't take away my monster because mm. the fear of failure, if that she attributed all of her success to that driving need to prove. See, the thing I say in the book, which is a huge statement, if you can write this down, it's, it's, um, we can never get enough of what we never needed to begin with. So we're ever craving for her. She, had, she couldn't make enough money. She couldn't be successful enough because once she got there, then it was like, well, I only have one way to go now and it's down. So I got to keep pushing and pushing. I can't make enough money because I can't. Oh, and then if I make money, how do I protect it? And how do I make sure it's going to be there forever? Because blah, blah, blah. do you see how it's a never, it's and, a then, and then can I let this man in? Can I let this person in? Because they want my money. Yes. Yes. And so, so people, I know people, I've been in the health and weight loss industry for 12 years now, and I know it as it shows up with our bodies and body shaming and dieting. Like we will, we can, a monster track number four is comparison. And we look at other people and we go, man, they have better bodies. I want to look like that. Or I want to have, be successful like them. So we drive, but we can never be successful enough. We can never be skinny enough. We can never be beautiful enough. We can never be perfect enough. 
because it never was true to begin with. With. But we never knew that. Never so knew it's that. the lie that drives us, right? For some of us, yes. It's, the, it, it's either the lie that drives us or it's the lie that, again, makes us curl up and not do anything. Yeah. It because, depends on the person. Yep. Because another person told me, don't tell me there's a monster under my bed, Kim. Because I, <laughs> that was another interesting conversation. I go, okay, what would happen? She goes, I don't want to get rid of it because then I will have to take, then everything in my life will have been a lie. Like she, her life was filled with disappointment and failure in her mind. And, and she needed that monster to blame, which is monster track number 10. Sometimes people aren't ready to go look. I call it run to the roar, you know, lift up that bed skirt and look to see that it's really just your little two or three or four year old self that's scared. There's nothing to fight because it just needs to know who it is. And it didn't know that when it was two and three and four. It didn't know. If you guys could just even close your eyes for a second and picture a little two-year-old or three-year-old, and if it could be you, that's even more powerful. Mm -hmm. Picture yourself at two and three years old, let's say. If you have a picture, I have a picture in my mind's eye. I don't remember myself at that age, but I have a picture in my mind of me at that age. And honestly, Kathy, a powerful exercise to do is to actually breathe deeply, close your eyes, mm -hmm. and send how you would really feel about any two or three or four-year-old. They are unconditionally loved. There is absolutely nothing they ever, ever, ever needed to do to prove it, to earn it, to be more loved or less loved, nothing. They were inherently worthy and lovable. So if you even close your eyes and picture that in your mind and actually send that love to that picture, to that child, mm -hmm. it's a powerful exercise. I'm also NLP certified. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of what I call mental ninja moves. The mental, yes. That help people uh, connect and kind of mental. It's like rewiring instantly sometimes these emotions. Powerful. Exactly. So powerful. So <laughs> Sorry. Point, it's a lot. You, I know, no, no, it's a lot, but it's, but it's wonderful. I mean, it's great. This, I mean, I mean, this is just, I love this conversation because it's, because it just touches on so much. And I also wanted to say to that point about the one client that said, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with the monster. I think also it's like the accountability, right? <laughs> Do I want to start? Because now that I know, do I want to take the action? Well, I have to take responsibility. Or take right? responsibility. Or like the heinous is on me, whatever it is. Take responsibility, be accountable, take action. Yeah. It's just so interesting. So what would you say are the three books that have had so much impact in your life with your mindset and just helping you be able to change and becoming the person that you are today? Well, it, I think it started back with, you know, early days of personal development, of course, were like Zig Ziglar and, you know, Power, you know, positive thinking. Yeah. yeah, just, just that. But I remember even listening to like Wayne Dyer was one that I listened to. Wishes fulfilled. <laughs> well, that's one of his later ones, but like even, um, the, uh, you know what, now I can't even think of them, but if you just go back to any Wayne, in fact, there's a YouTube video you can actually download or go watch, it's called The Shift, right? Did you ever watch that? I don't know, I've watched a lot of his videos, so I love him. Yeah, I mean, so that's like an early day, um, uh, early mindfulness, like anything that has you separate out thought 
from the truth because the thought is going to lead you down that same path over and over and over of your three-year-old. So if you separate out thought from truth, if you're aware, if you're willing to just go, am I willing to separate that out and see it differently? That's huge. So Wayne Dyer played a big part in my um, reprogramming understanding. Another one that just came to mind, I didn't even think about this one until right this second, but Marianne Williamson, um, she, you know, there's something on Audible for her. Like I, I followed the Course of Miracles for a while, which was really powerful, but she did a, an Audible, it's not a book, it was actually like a seminar, and you can get it on Audible, or you used to be able to, I have it on my phone, but it's a, like a two-hour seminar of, um, and she's a Course of Miracles teacher, so yeah. she talks a lot about, now sometimes her language can, not language, she doesn't curse, but her, she's very much in a Christian, even though she says, this isn't a Christian principle, but um, I'm using these Christian terms. Mm -hmm. So you can apply them, God, like sometimes people get snagged with these words because they bring them back to a not happy situation in their childhood. So I don't want to have people do that either, but if you can apply them in a more universal way. But another one is, um, you know, Brene Brown about shame. We talked about shame. She's the mother of the gifts of imperfection, was a huge, um, a huge impact on me. Um, anyway, there's just so many, and I, it's hard for me to recommend books because right now, things I'm listening to would probably blow most people just starting out. They, they wouldn't be able to hear it yet. You know what I mean? Not to mm -hmm. elevate me to a higher place, but just a different, like sometimes I leave people for a while because I'm like, okay, I, I think I got that and I go to somebody else. But then I might go back to them five years later and go, oh, I love them. Like, it just depends on where you are, right? Exactly. Now, what is the best advice that you've given just to move forward, to do the stuff, to do the work, to address that monster under your bed? Well, the, I think the biggest thing people can start being aware of is um, thought versus truth. I mean, mm -hmm. if you just go to, and how you know, okay, be more clear, Kim. How you know what you're thinking is by how you feel. So, and everybody knows how they feel because that's usually our indicator. Like what we normally, um, what shows up is our feeling. So when we feel sad, when we feel mad, when we get our button pushed, monster track number six, when we get offended easily or angered easily, um, when we um, feel resentful, when we feel scared, usually fear is the first emotion and then it goes to anger, it goes to something else. But if you can just learn to go to a, an observer of the feeling first and observe it, not align, and how you know you're aligning is if you justify it, right? Same conversation. Mm -hmm. So just watch your feelings and, and you can even watch it from happiness, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be negative. But, but, but negative is the stuff that is eating you up. The negative stuff is, and I heard you talk about forgiveness earlier, and it's like we don't love people because they deserve or don't deserve it. We love because we love ourselves. And when we get self-love figured out, honestly, Kathy, it gets to the point where you can actually become bulletproof. Like there's nothing, I don't get my button pushed. In fact, how I look at now button getting pushed for me, which it still happens, but I've shifted that to a gratitude place. Like I got angry at my husband the other day and I just went, ah, <laughs> you know? And, and within like two minutes, it was very cool for me because normally I would stay that way and then it pushes his buttons and then we get into the dance of the monsters, right? Mm -hmm. um, but now I go, oh, 
wow, thank you. Thank you for showing me that I still have a little wound there that I'm protecting. There is a place of love, self-love I need to go to because that wouldn't have bothered me if I didn't already have a wound that I'm protecting. Mm. See what I mean? It's just cool. It is the coolest place to go to. So just start there. Start with observing and separating out the emotion from the, the thought, you know, like. Exactly. Exactly. Being able to reframe that and pick something else. And I think also along with that, I look at the world that we live in and I say there's just so much dismay and discord because people don't trust themselves. Yeah. We've got to, so we can't trust each other. And the same thing with the self. People aren't loving themselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, it shows up in our, it shows up in our body. So our health and our weight, we're eating to make ourselves feel better. And then which makes us feel worse. And then we go eat more because it, it's just this endless loop or we drink or we shop or we, there's, you know, there's all, we take more medication because it's really this monster thing. That's just, we don't know how to deal with it. And politically right now in the world, it's, we're all divided because it's our primal survival brain that's being triggered and monster. Like, honestly, it's, it's so entrenched in our survival. When you disagree with me, ah, that means, ah, <laughs> Where did why that does it have to mean that? Why because that's our survival wiring. Exactly, exactly. But it's like, that's the go-to. And why does it have to be that? Why can't it be a time for us to enlighten each other? Because we can't, to your point, we don't, we have to prove we're right or we, it really goes back to the survival in an illogical thinking of, if I'm not right, I could die. That is really, and we were modeled. Look at, I grew up around a dinner table where politics were discussed, religion was discussed, and anyone who didn't agree with us, judgment. You know what I mean? Like, they're dumb, they're wrong, I'm right. And so I talk about it in All or Nothing Monster Track. It's like, it's hashtag and. You can be, you're good, you are right in your own mind. Like, you're not out to get me, you just see it differently. But because I'm still driving by my survival brain, ah, I gotta make sure you agree with me. Instead of going, well, that's an interesting observation. Listening to understand Stephen Covey, which by the way, seven habits of highly effective people. That's cool. That's yeah. Listen first to understand, then to be understood. Because if you, if people feel like you really care about, hey, go go talk to someone that disagrees with you, completely opposite politically. But listen first to understand. Oh, that's a great exercise. And it will cause your family. I've had so many people come to me and say, Kim, I've lost my family over politics. It's so bad right now. And, um, and people just get so polarized. So anyway. Anyway, I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, tell my listeners, where can they find you? The title of the book again, where can they find the book? All of the great stuff you're doing. Okay. Well, basically the books just got out. I don't know when this is going to actually show up, but it was just October, 2018 when the book came out, it hit bestseller status within three days. I'm very thankful and grateful for that. And I also, so Kim Fisk with an E, but I think I've bought both domain names because a lot of people don't put the E on Fisk. <laughs> so it's Kim, F-I-S-K-E.com. You can connect with me there. You can also find me on Facebook, Kim Fisk. There's a business page and a personal page. And I don't, right now, I'm, I don't really look to see who's doing what. And I'm on Instagram, Kim Fisk. And, the, and LinkedIn, Kim Fisk. I, I, I'm pretty easy to find, I think. Uh, Amazon, the book, the name of the book is The Monster Under the Bed uncovering the lie that drives us. Or if you just go the monster under the bed, under the bed, Fisk, 
you'll mm -hmm. find it, you know? Because I, I searched for it the other day just with the title, and it showed that some people have just searched for it with Fisk. So it's the only one in the self-help genre that I know of. So I hope I can, I just want to provide this relief for people, this internal, like, okay, you are, you don't suck. You are awesome. You are a miracle and you are intrinsically valuable and loved and worthy and perfect. Just as you are right this second, you can't get to happiness from unhappiness. You got to shift. There's got to be some energy shifts to get you down the road to start hearing this message of pure self-love. And it's where every, all healing starts is there. So that's my, that's my goal, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And those of you that are listening, go out and get that book and look her up. I mean, this was, this has just been a wonderful conversation and I just want to thank you again, Kim Fisk. I know that this will add so much value. Thank you guys for listening. Hello guys, it's me. And before I let you go, I have to remind you to join my free Facebook group called the Clarity Seekers Collective. There you will be greeted by a collective of women that are positive, productive, and on a, on a relentless pursuit to achieve our dreams. In addition to that, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Yes, I said rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And I must end this podcast as I end all of my talks, and that is with this. Remember, lean into your dreams. If I can create my dream life, so can you. Take action on your dreams today.